Good morning to all of you. Welcome to Wednesday Chapel. As you can tell, my voice is a little shot. Uh, I have a bad cold that's settled in my throat. I actually feel fine, but sounds terrible, so my apologies. And you will see how rather ironic it is that my voice is messed up today when you hear my devotion. So, <clears throat> uh, Because of that, uh, we will, I will have my classes today, and I will have Vespers tonight, but on the announcements on the bottom, you'll see we're going to have Bible study at 9. I've decided to to take that off tonight. So no, we won't start our new Bible study until next week, so please make note of that. And uh, may, Lord, may the Lord bless our worship today. Our scripture reading for today is taken from John chapter 21, and this is uh, uh, during the week of our Lord's resurrection. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? 
Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. <clears throat> when I was a little boy, all the way from age 6 through 12, I had a wonderful pastor by the name of Hugo Hanberg, and a wonderful man. He just had a very pastoral heart. He was truly a shepherd to souls, the way the Bible describes how pastors should be. And um, every week I would hear him conduct church services and hear his voice. And, and uh, he taught me my first year of confirmation. And then when I was about 12, he took a call to another church out in Washington State. So I rarely saw him, maybe once a year at a con convention. And I maybe said hi to him a couple times during the, the uh, many years that he was gone for me. At about, when I was about 25, he came back to our church for an anniversary service, and he helped conduct the service and preach again. And it was amazing getting to hear his voice and how listening to his voice again just transported me back to being a little child and in his classroom and sitting in church with him when he had been my pastor. And it, it, it not only had such a nostalgic feeling for me to hear that voice again, but it made me realize just how much the, the voice of Christ comes through the pastor. Jesus says to those who proclaim his word, he who hears you hears me. And it made me really realize and understand how that pastor's voice was really Christ's voice coming to me. It was very comforting. Jesus says to us about believers, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life. You ever wondered what did Jesus' actual voice sound like? What did his real voice sound like that his disciples got to hear and, and others? I, I can pretty much guarantee it doesn't sound like mine today. Um, we, it's interesting, though, isn't it, that we never get to actually audibly hear the voice of Christ. In fact, he even warns us if somebody tells you they're hearing that to get away from them. We never actually get to hear the audible voice of Jesus, the Son of God. And, and yet, that voice is so important to us. It comes to us through his word, and it comes to us through our parents teaching us our faith as children, and it comes to us through our pastors and our teachers. And yet, ironically, we never really get to hear the sound of that actual voice of Jesus Christ. The text before us is a very interesting one and intriguing one. We probably know the setting that Peter had denied Christ three times during Jesus' trial and execution. And at one point, Peter had even denied him to such an extent that he called down a curse from heaven on himself uh, to, to lie and say, I don't know this man and I have nothing to do with him. And now after his resurrection from the dead, Jesus is with his disciples and he specifically singles out Peter and uh, he it's not hard to imagine Jesus putting his hands on Peter's shoulders right in front of him and asking him these three great questions. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And you wonder at what point in the conversation it kind of rang a bell with Peter. It's like, oh, I get it, my denial of you. But what's interesting is inside of this text for today is this one specific command that Jesus gives to feed my lambs. 
feed my lambs. Certainly feed my sheep and tend my sheep, he says that too. But he singles out little children. Feed my lambs, he says. And in this command, we can see the heart of the Son of God toward souls, and in particular, the souls of little children. At one time, Jesus had a number of children around him, probably sitting on his lap and talking to him, and some of his disciples wanted to shoo the parents away so that they wouldn't bother Jesus with these little children, and Jesus chastises his disciples with that famous line, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And the pastoral office, those who are going to be shepherds under Christ, is to pay particular attention to little children and to the souls of little children and their spiritual needs. We are not to offend them. We are not to teach them or, or do something in front of them in such a way that may cause them to sin or cause them to lose their faith. And we are to lead and guide them in a, in a way that keeps them with the good shepherd. In fact, listen to this warning Jesus gave to those who who teach children. He says, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's why years ago many pastors would wear those large millstone collars. And many would, even today, wear a clerical collar as a reminder of the importance of their call, especially when it comes to kids especially when it comes to these precious little souls whom Christ has died to pay for their sins as well. And how important it is to delicately take care of their faith and to nourish that faith and to properly care for it. At one time, Jesus even brought a little child out in front of his disciples and he said, this is the kind of faith I want you to have. I'd like you to emulate this little child when it comes to your faith. And we often use that expression, a childlike faith. George Gallup of, Gallup of the Gallup Poll Company years ago wanted to find out if this was true about Christians. And so he sought out thousands of people that had been raised in the Christian faith, very regularly going to church and things in Sunday school, uh, all the way from their childhood, and who are now probably, I think it was at least 25 years old. And he asked a, a number of them uh, a bunch of questions. And what he discovered was that by their own admission, many of them who still considered themselves to be Christians now in their mid-twenties, many of them admitted that their faith was much weaker today as an adult than it ever was, was as a child. They had questions about evolution and creation. They had questions about some of the moral teachings in the Bible. Isn't that sad that the, the older we get and the wiser we get by the world standards, the more we get away from that childlike faith, the more we... We tend to question things about God. No wonder God says to us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. It's never going to take you anywhere. Trust in the Lord and what he teaches you. Listen to the voice of the good shepherd. It will never mislead you. It will always guide you in the right way. <clears throat> a faith of a child is, is something that Martin Luther appreciated too. One of the early great trials that he had to go through is called the Diet of Worms. And uh, during that diet or trial, um, there was kind of a, kind of a, a debate that it had to go on. And, and people were, were uh, afterwards being asked, who do you think won this? Who do you think won the, the cause and the situation here? And, and so on. 
And uh, Luther was asked about it later on, whether or not, uh, what, what some of the opinion was of people that had been present for this diet of worms. And he said, I'd only go through it again if an eight-year-old child would be my judge. An eight-year-old child with the scriptures would be my judge. Our Lord knows that the faith of children needs nourishment and constant care. And someday you're going to be a parent, I hope and pray, most of you, maybe. And um, God doesn't give you the responsibility of creating faith in your child's heart. Only the Holy Spirit can do that, to grab onto what Christ did on the cross, to give us the forgiveness of sins and the hope of heaven. But he does give you the burden and responsibility of putting them in the place where that can happen, of putting them at the feet of a shepherd that will take care of that child's soul along with you at home, and uh, where they can hear the voice of the good shepherd. Sometimes the faith of a child can be more intense than that of their parents. I had a, uh, I had a confirmation student years ago that I remember kept circling things in her book or catechism one day, and after class, she came up to me, and she wanted to know, how can I get my parents to go to church? How can I get them to realize and understand how significant this spiritual aspect of life is? And another parent come to me years ago at a congregation I was serving and told me that their son was so intense about going to church that he would come in on Sunday morning when he was eight years old and turn on the lights and wake them up out of bed just to get them to go to church. And that the mom and dad used to say to each other, where did this come from? We didn't create this in him. We didn't put this in him. And she said, I remember she said, he was relentless. <laughs> he was relentless. May, may God give all of us the fervor of that type of a faith. As we look forward to the day when someday in heaven, we will actually get to hear the actual audible voice of that good shepherd who died for us and gave us that home. Amen. Let us rise and join in the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Go in peace. Amen.